You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Today with us, we have Lauren and Kyle Clugston. Lauren and Kyle, thank you guys so much for coming on the show this evening. Uh, Kyle's got his overalls on over there. Looks like he just came off the job site. Um, we're, Man, I, I, I did just come off the job site. I do not live in these. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. They, they look pretty comfortable. <laughs> awesome. So thank you guys for being on. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from. Yeah, so we're, yeah, like you said, Kyle and Lauren, husband and wife team. We live in the South Jersey area and actively invest in Camden County. Um, we started investing three years ago. Yeah. Um, we started out by doing a house hack and then kind of have just been slowly building our portfolio about a property or two a year for the past three years. And we are actively working on our most current property, property number four, which we're also house hacking. Okay, awesome. So you guys do a lot of the rehab or almost all the rehab yourself for the most part, would you say? Yeah, so we started off um, knowing that we were going to house hack our first one. So we were thinking you know, we could get in there, renovate it ourselves, kind of take our time with our unit, um, focus most of our time on the unit that we were going to rent out. And then from there, we kind of managed that really well ourselves. So we said, let's just continue on and keep doing it the way we just did it, whether it be a house hack or whether it be a, uh, you know, a, a regular rental that we will be living in or a single family. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to ask you guys real quick how you got started. And then I actually would like to jump into that first deal because a lot of people listening want to know how to do that first deal, how to get in, how to get active or stuff like that. So how did you guys get started in this? What made you want to start? I mean, how do you just dive into the real estate investing world head first? Yeah, Lauren brought it to brought it to my attention. I had never even considered it, but uh, she did all the research prior too. So why don't you start it off? I grew up always being super frugal and tried to figure out a way how, what I should be doing with my savings. I saved up a lot of money just from childhood and all through college. And I tried to look into a lot of different investing options, stocks, bonds, um, you know, a whole different type of things. And real estate just kind of kept coming back, kept coming back. And I realized that, you know, housing expenses is one of the largest things that people have. And if we could figure out a way to, you know, get rid of that, plus make money on top of it, I felt like that was a home run. So, um, you know, found bigger pockets, found out house hacking, um, just really started to get educated. Analysis paralysis so bad for so long. All of us, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it was so bad. It got to the point where I was like, we are just a bunch of fakes because you know how they say, uh, if you want to be an investor, just start calling yourself an investor because you kind of need to manifest it. Yeah, like, yeah. Joke. Like we, we keep telling people, oh, like we're going to invest in real estate and years go by and it doesn't happen. So it got to the point. They, where they see you again in like two years. Like, ah. how's that investing going? You're like, oh, I'll tell you when we start it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I read this book and, uh, you know, I analyze this property, but that doesn't mean you know, crap until you kind of do it. So um, it just got to a point where we were like, we got to do it or we got to get over this because we're spending way too much time researching and educating and we're not getting anything out of it. So right, right. Um, yeah, started our first property with a house, house hack, which we highly recommend for anyone. We feel like it's a great way to get into a property. Um, there are a lot of, um, I would say lower risk barriers when you're house hacking just because it is your primary residence. So I just felt like it was less scary. <laughs> yeah. Like we were going to buy, we were moving in together. We were renting. We knew we were going to buy a home together anyway. 
why not have that be the first step into the investment process? Right. Oh yeah, most definitely. And now was this a duplex? It was. Yeah. So I, I find, cause I did the same thing. I find the easiest way is, you know, to start with one tenant instead of starting with two, three, four, you know, just starting with one, that way you can learn how to, I know it sounds silly, but train them. Um, and even if you have to pick, you know, your own tenant, how to screen them, it's easier to do one than, than two. And learning that way, and especially being at the property, you're there all the time. You have eyes on it all the time. It's easier to take care of things. Cause you know, w- once I started investing and, you know, I was with my, at the time fiance, who's now wife, I'd always like drive around the corner and I'd be like, be like tap my finger or something. She's like, what's wrong? It's like one of these days we're going to like round the corner and this place is just going to be up in flames. Like that's, <laughs> that's like my biggest fear. She's like, you can't have that fear that you're going to be doing this because you'll never be able to live. And she's so right now that I'm at, you know, multiple properties. I can't not sleep at night because I'm concerned of, you know, what state everything's in. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah we actually, that was a kind of a lesson we <laughs> learned was this really is a business. And once you kind of take that emotion out of it, it makes life so much easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had um, a big water issue at our most recent property. We had two waters, water issues. It seems actually. like this most recent property <laughs> has just been one bad thing. And, and all the bad things that people explain when they first get into it, we avoided somehow. I don't know how. Right, did, right. But they hit us all on the fourth property. Yeah. And they yeah. all happened within the past two months. But it's been okay. I mean, we're just like, all right, here's the problem. How can we create a solution? Yeah. And we attack it. And it just helps you know, alleviate the stress in your own life. If you can just look at it like a business. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. And I think what you just said right there, I mean, if someone's going to take away one thing from this podcast, that right there is treating it as a business. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, I meet landlords or investors all the time who, you know, couldn't tell you one thing about their property besides where it's located. You know, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, they have nothing organized. And I mean, that's a huge part as well is, you know, being organized with, everything on that. So tell me about this first property. You guys said you house hacked it. What was that stepping point when you went from, you know, being a little bit nervous to get investing in the analysis paralysis to just dumping, you know, jumping right in. It was really just that we started feeling like frauds if we didn't start taking action. So, right. <laughs> so um, I kind of reverse engineered it, you know, okay, in order to get a property, you need an offer accepted in order to have an offer accepted. You have to make the offers in order to make the offers. You need to go see them in order to see them. You need an agent. So I kind of right. just, kind of, you know, worked everything backwards and broke it down into the easiest steps. So I was like, okay, today I'm going to email a lender. <laughs> I broke it down and made it seem like less scary. But, um, so the first property was a foreclosure HUD property. We were able to see it, wow. which was comforting. I don't think our first property we would have been able to buy sight unseen, but you, we did bid for it online. So, we, it was very anticlimactic. Yes. We toured the property, said, all right, this looks good. We uh, made an offer online, waited a couple days, and then it got accepted. You and know, it, there was really no negotiating. No, and it wasn't, when we did the walkthrough, it wasn't like something that was super intimidating. Okay. It wasn't like a total gut fixer upper. So some of the spots had hardwood floors and things. And we were like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, this could be done. Mm-hmm. And see, I'm glad you said that because typically you hear foreclosure or HUD and you're just like the roof's falling in. There's like, you know, there's no doors or windows on the place. So it wasn't really that bad. It wasn't, you know, catastrophic where it made you guys too nervous. No, it wasn't. But like, so, so we closed. You told me the well, well, it had it. Well, it was, we get to that, but it had its <laughs> up and, ups and downs. Like it had a new roof, but the entire, um, heating system wasn't properly yeah, winterized. So that oh, was okay. So it froze so, yeah. and broke and there was leaks everywhere. It didn't hold pressure. So yeah, it was, 
it, that like was some things were brand new or not brand new, but some things were new, like the issue. roof and there's hardwood floors, but then there's other things that were going to be, you know, a huge fix. So it, it right, kind right. of balanced out. Okay. And what loan type did you guys end up going through with that on that property? We just did a conventional 20% okay. down. Um, we knew, you know, you could do an FHA loan, but being still a beginner, just doing something conventional seemed easy to us. Yeah. And especially going after a foreclosure or HUD, I don't think honestly an FHA would get approved for that. You know, when they go through with the appraisal and everything for it, they'd want certain repairs. So that's cool that you guys want the conventional 20% down. Now, does that mean you haven't used your FHA yet or have you used it already? We just used it. <laughs> okay. So you just used it. Nice. All right. Awesome. And so that was your first property. You say you just used it. What other investing styles do you guys go for? So after we rented out our down, we lived upstairs. After we rented that unit out, lived in it for a year, um, we started to get back on the market and start looking for more properties. So um, there's a, a neighboring town that a buddy, buddy of mine invests in. Uh, and we saw a single family home there. That, that wasn't our style or what our tactic was. We, we were going for the multifamily house hack. So we were going to essentially move out of this one into another house hack. And then we saw this single family that the numbers just worked out fantastic. So we kind of deviated from that style and ended up buying this single family home off the MLS. And uh, it was a super light renovation as a, uh, compared to the one we just finished. So that was nice also mm -hmm. that uh, we were in and out, I'd say in like two months. Yeah. We oh. are buy and hold through and through, but kind of how we're going about each property has been a little different. Yeah. You know, one thing we're kind of learning is that not every property is the same. And if you have such specific blinders on, you might not see creative solutions for other things. So, you know, the property he's mentioning property number two, if we were like, no, we only want multifamily. We only want value add. We only want this, that, and another thing we would never found this property. And it was the easiest cash flowing property we have in our portfolio. Mm -hmm. We have a tenant in place. He's awesome. It's, you know, it's great. It's kind of like that foundational. <laughs> yeah. Our cash on cash yeah. return is actually better on the single family than it is on the duplex. Yeah. It's, wow. Granted, it's, it's in a, it's in a more, I guess, urban environment, but it's an up and coming area. It's not mm -hmm. straight, you know, where property values aren't really going to raise that much. Mm -hmm. It is an up and coming area. So we kind of found a diamond in the rough, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but Lauren did read, she ended up reading the plans for the city. Um, and the yeah. revitalization plan. Okay. So we, we had a really targeted market um, after our first property. We only wanted to invest in like this one town, maybe a surrounding town. And inventory was super low. We were thinking about maybe going off market. You know, we were, we were covering our bases in a lot of areas. And we found the single family. I did a lot of research on the area. And what I did was just looked at the town's redevelopment plan and you know, talk is talk, but action speaks more. So I looked at the redevelopment plan and then I looked at what did they actually implement from that redevelopment mm -hmm. plan? And it was a lot. And I felt like that was a good sign. Obviously I know some things, politics, things change. Um, right. You know, not everything can happen on the plan or things change, but the fact that they are making a good faith effort to implement a lot of things I thought was a great sign. Yeah. Now on the flip side, uh, Camden is a nearby town that a big push for investors was to look in Camden. So it's been up and coming for like 30 years. Plan for Camden. <laughs> we actually did a drive through to see what was being implemented. And again, that was the past 10 years, 10 15 years that this plan was supposed to be into action and there wasn't much happening. So when we saw that things were actually happening in our target city, uh, 
we kind of rehoned our focus. And after that second property, we did actually end up buying an off market deal in that same city, uh, two doors down from that second one. Lauren, what you said was, you know, each property was different in in a certain strategy you guys went with, or, you know, different renovations, light renovation, full renovation, things like that. I like that approach too, because you could figure out which one you guys like best or which one you want to tackle the majority. You could just say, okay, I want to go for, you know, the full rehabs where we can really force appreciation in this property. We can build value ourselves or, you know, every once in a while we might like picking up one of the light rehabs, you know, just to go easy on yourself and, and see how it works, you know? So I like that approach you guys do have with that. It works. The deal works. And it also speaks to funding as well. Some deals work with conventional funding. Some needs private lending. Some might need hard money. So, you know, as long as you keep your options open, I think there's a lot out there. Yeah. With that said, let's actually get into kind of the terms that you guys are going after. So obviously you're doing, you know, conventional regular bank financing with a mortgage, which most investors do. Uh, are you guys doing anything with uh, hard money or private money lenders? So our third property, we used a private money okay. um, and that was, it, it was family, um, but we set it up in terms just as if we were using a private lender um, because we do plan on using private lender outside of family in the future. We want to kind of dip our toes in and see what, it, you know, set it up the same way. So we did do that on the third one. Um, that was the off market deal that we knew that we wanted to burr because we know that we're in the building stages of our portfolio. <laughs> wanted to kind of piggyback that third property with a fourth. Um, And that's why we were able to find an off market deal, buy it for cheap enough. And because we had done our second deal in in the city that that we bought in, uh, we kind of knew what the ARBs were going to be and what some of the comps were going to be. So um, price per square footage, Yeah, we had a good sense. We had a good sense of it. Yeah, and this one was exciting because our first property, we burred in the sense that we like did all the steps, but we didn't get to pull all of our money out. Um, It it wasn't the best burr, but it was our first property. It was super educational and we love it. And it's in a great town and our tenants are great. Second property, we didn't burr because we didn't add that much value to warrant going through the process again. But the third property was awesome. We bought it for cash for $25,000. Um, so our purchase price and renovation costs were private money. So purchase price was 25,000 renovation costs. And this includes holding, closing fees, lawyers, all that good stuff was 40,000. And we originally ran the numbers. I'm first off, I'm super conservative to begin with. Second of all, it was, uh, I don't know. I just like, wasn't super familiar with the ARVs yet. Even though we had that other property, we didn't refinance it. So I didn't know what it was going to come at. So we were budgeting that it was only going to refinance at like 80 or 90. She was saying 80 and I was like, there's no way. We're Being conservative. At 90. You're super conservative. You know this. It's going to come in at like 90. And then in the corner, I'm like, oh my God, it better come in at 90. I swear. <laughs> yeah. So. And it, then it came in at 117 and we were thrilled. Wow. So loved that deal. And so we were able to cash out refinance, pay back our private lenders, pull some cash for us. And that's what we use as a down payment for our fourth property, which we're using an FHA loan for. So, and we did, um, seller concession at closing. So we really, our fourth property has like zero of our own money, in it, yeah. which is exciting. Right. It's a very, it's a very low down alternative with the FHA, which I've exercised on a two family already. Would that private lender, those of you that don't understand private lender is basically just finding someone that you personally know or privately know that lends you money at certain terms. So do you want to tell us those terms that you guys had on the private lending? Yeah. Um, so 
it was nine months interest only. well it was nine months and originally it was going to be interest only payments throughout and then we were kind of like nah, let's just give us the lump payment at the end um, we did a promissory note and then the rate was pretty low like we said it was family so we got the friends and family discount yeah. there and you know one of the big things that we learned during this process is that private money is an option beforehand we felt like we were begging for money or we were asking for favors or we're you know these people were helping us and and they definitely were but it is a win-win situation you know um you are they are making money off the deal as well and after going through that process other people have reached out to yeah. us to be private lenders for us in future projects. And it's just so crazy how once you go through something and get that experience, your mindset shifts dramatically. Oh, totally. You're so much more comfortable. Yeah. Outsiders that you're asking, you know, such a significant amount of savings that they may have accrued over the years, uh, for them to give it to you without having seen a project that you have done in the mm -hmm. past, um, and us being comfortable using sixty, seventy thousand dollars of somebody else's savings. Since we've done this property, you know, we're going to rehome back into that same uh, town. So we know what the ARV is yeah. going to be. We right. can put that on paper. Basically, you give us this. This is what our ARV for, uh, at this property is going to be. And this is what we're going to pull out. And this is what you get back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely hear you with uh, private money. Like, you know, we felt like we were begging. And I totally get what you're saying. But it's a benefit to each party, you know, instead of them making low interest in a savings account or taking a risk in the stock market or trying some other form of investment, you know, it's going to something that diversifies their portfolio, I bet, a little bit. It's making more interest than they would in it, you know, those other options where the savings account or a CD or money market is super low interest or a stock market where, especially today, that return isn't guaranteed at all. I mean, yeah, today, private money look, is looking better and better for investors, you know, for, for both parties. Um, and people always say, well, oh, 8%, 10%, 12%, that's such a high interest rate. Well, it's like, well, it's better than not being able to have the money or do the deal at all. You know, uh, that, that's the way I look at it um, with that. So with the private money that you guys were doing, you said you did about 60 to 70,000. It was, it was 60, it was, no, it was 55. It was third. We borrowed from two people and it was 30,000 oh, yeah, yeah. and 25,000. Okay. Now, did you have to approach these people or did these people approach you or how did you guys work that out to get your first amount of private money? We approached them. They um, expressed interest in the past. Yeah. I mean, obviously, since it was family, we would date them through the process. Oh, we found this deal. Oh, we're talking to the seller. So they were involved in the process before we officially asked them. But yeah, we were the ones that, you know, presented that presented deal. it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We had a property in mind at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think something I, I personally like to do is something I like to exercise is whenever I'm working on a project or a project's done, I always post videos and pictures to Facebook and Instagram, you know, just so everyone can see. And, you know, people message me, oh, what's going on here? You know, it sparks interest. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, can I invest with you or something like that? And that's a way to, you know, spark up that conversation um, or, you know, with anything like that. And that's why I think private money is a great way because it also lets you increase your portfolio at a faster pace because I'm sure you guys didn't have, you know, 67, you may have, but 60, 70,000 just laying around in the bank ready to go for another deal. And then a fourth one, you know, to keep moving. So it definitely helps you move, uh, scale quicker. Um, with that scaling, what is your guys' long-term goal look like? The target keeps on moving. So. <laughs> Doesn't it always? <laughs> so if you were to go to like scroll, so we document everything on Instagram. If you were to scroll back to the beginning, 
um, our original plan was 32 paid off units by 55. And the reason we chose 55 years of age is because um, Kyle's in law enforcement, and that's his forced retirement age. And a lot of individuals in law enforcement will then get a second job. And that sounds miserable. So we're like, all right, 55, <laughs> let's both retire. Well, one, we're having a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just exciting. You know, looking for deals is fun. Um, so I would say, I don't know. I don't know what our new end goal is, but it's definitely acquiring properties more quickly, um, retiring a little bit earlier, yeah. and trying to do this a little bit more full time at some point. And we've also switched the mindset again from not the amount of units, but the amount of cash flow. Yeah. Um, we would love the smallest amount of units for the greatest amount of cash a flow. Small and mighty portfolio. A small and mighty portfolio, yes. There you go, strong, yes. <laughs> yes. Ideally, so I, we still um, self-manage. Ideally, I'd like to keep self-managing, um, maybe hiring out and outsourcing a few things. So we're obviously not the ones going over and making maintenance repairs and stuff like that. But I like managing. I like meeting our tenants. You know, we have a great relationship with them. So for now, I kind of want to keep it that way. Yeah. And I mean, no one's ever going to take care of your properties the way you are, you know, and that's the truest thing. So why not keep, you know, 8 to 10% per month and manage the properties properly, you know, versus yeah. someone else who's obviously not going to give as much time and effort into those for you. Exactly. And it ties into our investing kind of mentality is that when we do renovations, we front load all the cabinets <laughs> items to make sure that we don't get a lot of maintenance calls. Yeah. And we didn't do that. So a property manager has an easy job. <laughs> right. So, so I want everyone to listen to that real quick. What Lauren just said is they take care of those items up front so they don't have to worry about them down the road. So they're not deferring basically maintenance on the property or things that need to be done. Uh, give us an example of that. What's something you guys will do on a property now to make sure it's ready so you don't have to deal with it down the line? Yeah, so I was always taught, start from the outside in. Take care of siding, roofing, gutters first so that you're not dealing with water issues. Right, There's yeah. Sheetrocking and you're having to replace sheetrock because of water problems. Uh, also, the places that we're buying are early 1900s, so everything is cast iron, uh, waistlines, water lines, and they rot from the inside out. So we take all of those out. We don't want to get called that a basement has flooded and, you know, waistlines backing up. So we take all of that out. Uh, new toilets, new front doors, appliances, wind, appliances everything that's uh, water heaters. Um, HVAC systems. HVAC systems. <laughs> I mean, I we mean, really kind of replace everything. Yeah, and we like the, the fact that they know what they've gotten because they walk in and it's brand new. Right. right. So, and then also you're getting the warranty with all those brand new items also. Yep. Um, so, we haven't had maintenance calls on any of our units of the things that we've, we've tackled to begin yeah. with. Right, the things you've been proactive about. Left there, we've had the problems. With. Right. Yeah. And so I think, so I'm in central New York, so I'm not, you know, too far from you guys. And what you just said, you know, a lot of the homes are early 1900s. I think that's something, and I know it sounds silly, but think original 13 colonies, we were here first, Texas, California, you know, those places weren't. So our homes are much older than homes down in the country, you know, things like that. So when I listen to bigger pockets or I talk with other investors out of the, you know, out of the area, they're like, yeah, you know, apartment complex built in, you know, 1980 or this house was built in 1970. So it's not that bad. Then you look at us and like our properties, we've got cast iron, we've got boilers, you know, yeah. you got tube and knob, you know, 
all the old stuff that we have to deal with. So that's why when people are like, yeah, I go into a property, I put, you know, 20,000 into it, the whole thing's done. I don't have to worry about any of the big tickets. I'm just like, what are you talking about? I still have fuse boxes in half of the basements that we have to replace, you know? So a lot of times, so the, the waistlines, uh, a lot of times say you're doing a light renovation and you're not getting into the walls. You may be replacing flooring. If the, at least you replace all of your horizontal cast iron waistlines because your backup is going to come during those horizontals and those, those 45s. Uh, if you can leave the verticals going to your second floor and at least just take out what's in the basement, that big long horizontal run, that's where your clogs are, are going to happen. So if you're trying to budgetary and, and save money there, at least just take out that basement portion. We, I, mean, I bet you the people didn't even realize they're getting like a free plumbing lesson on this podcast. That's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> no. It's going to help most of that, uh, everything else go out. So it's going to be right. that horizontal. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm doing a burr right now. I what I just came back from. We we're doing all new windows, all new HVAC, all new electrical, all new plumbing. I mean, you name it, like everything besides the roof. We're doing big ticket items, and you know, plumbing. We're taking these cast iron main stacks out of the basement. I'm like, my goodness, these things. You know, they weigh so much. And I was like, why didn't my plumber cut these into smaller pieces so we can get <laughs> you know, get these out of the house? We got like three guys going out the front door of this thing trying to get into a dumpster. So I, I think that's funny. So. Uh, a little something that we, this is a tip that we've come up with. So we, we got Lauren put online that we had a bunch of scrap metal because we were trying to figure out how we can get away with scrap, get rid of all this heavy ticket items mm-hmm. instead of it. We're not scrappers. So we're, we're not going to the scrap yard. She put on Facebook that we were getting rid of this, you know, I don't know what you put I on it was, appliances. it was appliances and things like and that. The guy that came was a scrapper. So I said, Hey, if I ever have any metal, can I, call you up can i get your number and he's like yeah sure so now every time we get a Mm -hmm. bunch of appliances a bunch of heavy cast iron that are taken out of the basement instead of paying to get rid of it i call him he comes over and hauls it away yeah there's a lot of little stuff like that like when we were first demoing our first property exactly like you don't want to waste a lot of space in your dumpster so we were dumping appliances in there and i was like you know there's got to be another way yeah and the first thing was oh well if you order new appliances they'll take your old ones but then you got to keep the new appliances around you keep shifting them between rooms for your right because you're working on this room that room getting them out of the way now there's got to be another better way and then we realized about the scrappers so you know any little like problem you have there's probably a solution for it Mm -hmm. you just got to kind of think about it and be creative um but kind of going back to the CapEx thing, when we first started, totally admittable, like I was HGTV, Pinterest, look, these people are doing these beautiful renovations for $10,000. You sound like my wife. (laughs) We just paint the cabinets, we do all this stuff. And it was very eye-opening when we did our first property and I'm like dropping checks to the plumber for $6,000. And I'm like, where did that go? He's like, well, it's so that when you, you know, flush the toilet, it goes where it needs to go. I'm like, well, that's not very sexy. Like, like, can't even see this stuff and now that we're you know not getting maintenance calls and um you know once we kind of once it got in my mind oh okay we're doing this for our future selves it became a lot easier right yeah i mean that's a huge thing you're you're being proactive you're front loading all those things and you're not deferring them out because typically you know when people defer them out that's where you're gonna have your most issues you're getting calls you've got you know bathtubs leaking upstairs in the downstairs unit. Oh, there's all that drywall I have to redo. I got to cut into it and it turns into a bigger, bigger project. Um, Want to show you guys this real quick. So, you know, in those older homes, how when they used to open up the windows, they'd have the, the oh, weights. Yeah, I got a million of those. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I got 120 of those now. Oh, dude, we don't even so get me many. started. <laughs> Every single one that I pull out of a window. There is going to be a DIY project that I'm going to see, and I'm going to be so pissed that I threw them out. So we saved them. I put on Instagram, you know, a couple years ago. Does anyone know what these can be used for? Silence. No one has any ideas, but we still have them. And I, well, and I also kept all the pulleys. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're super, super cute. Cool. We'll figure something out. So the, actually, the, the, the new the triplex we just bought, um, mm -hmm. it's a historic home so we can't renovate any of the uh, windows we can't change any of them out so they're all the old pulley system yeah so, if I, ever so I, I had those loaded up and i showed my father-in-law and he's like you know what those are i was like yeah I, know. I took them out of the windows he's like those are solid lead he goes you can sell them and people will melt them down like fishermen and make like hooks or anchors or stuff like that i mean these things got away like 20 pounds a piece something like that so you got to find someone like a fisherman that will literally melt these things down and make like uh, hooks out of them or stuff like that. So like you guys were able to take something away too. I keep hearing people keep telling me, oh, you use it as like a freshwater anchor. <laughs> Whatever you want. It's got to be some value with that kind of weight, you know? <laughs> oh, that's good. As we were speaking, you guys were telling us, you know, you found some properties on the MLS, you found some off market. So you guys are obviously do, exercising both ways. A lot of people just look on MLS. A lot of people say, you know, I can't find it on the MLS, so I'm not going to look there. How are you finding your deals off market? And then do you have someone bringing you the deals from the MLS to yourself? We don't have a super secret, cool, awesome strategy. Okay. <laughs> so for we only bought one deal off market so far, and I'll give it to the wholesaler. So a wholesaler came to us. And what she did was she looked at the property owners of the surrounding properties, saw which ones were most likely landlords because it wasn't their primary address and reached out to them and said, Hey, I have this property that's two doors down from yours. Do you want it? We were not in the position to buy at the no. time. Our plan, I think we had like just gotten married Yeah. and we're like, let's take a little bit I of think time. We were like eight months to like when we were planning on yeah. starting to look. we wanted to save money. You know, right. there were a lot of other things we wanted to take care of. And how do you say no to a property two doors down to one you already own, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you control the neighborhood. Exactly. So, I mean, that definitely enticed us a little bit. And we went back and forth with her trying to decide a price. We couldn't agree on anything. Um, and she ended up... I just want to make a quick point there. Yeah. So, we... She came up with the number. She wanted thirty-five thousand. All right, and we knew the numbers just didn't work well enough for us to go off of what our plan was and just buy this property. So we walked away. Yeah, we had zero. Even though I really wanted it, we yeah. had zero emotion in it because we. This would be a disruption to our current plan. So we're not going to. Unless it's like that. a sweet deal, it's mm -hmm. we weren't going to get pulled yeah. off of what our plan was. Yeah. So we walked away. Mm -hmm. And that was the smart move because we ended up getting it for like 10 grand less. Yeah. And then basically the wholesaler couldn't find a buyer and she ended her agreement with the seller. And then maybe like a month or two later, we ended up hooking up with the seller directly and we were able to work out a deal. It was a long process. Um, you know, everything they say about working with a seller directly is, is pretty accurate. You know, you really need to listen to them. You need to figure out what their pain point was. And what her pain point was is that she was out of state. She had a, like a... Her adult daughter was living there and had no idea the condition of the property and basically just needed to unload it with as little effort from her as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think what really sealed the deal for us is that we bought it as is. And by that, I mean, with 
all of the furniture, all yep. of, you know, their life storage for years and years and years. <laughs> so much stuff in this house. Yeah. It, it was insane. It cost us $2,000 to have a, this stuff hauled away. And it was a, negoci a negotiating point yeah. at, at that because it was like, well, look, you know, we were going to, I think we initially agreed on like 29000 and we said, well, you know, it's going to cost, you know, two grand, which is about what it costs to empty this house out now. So we ended up right. getting a little bit cheaper. Yeah. So it was, and then we, we actually utilized a friend of ours who owned a dumpster company. We met him through our a real estate meetup. Mm -hmm. um, so we ended up helping out other investors as well, using their companies and, mm -hmm. and things that they offer. Yeah. I mean, it, just going on the subject of meetups, do you guys go a lot of meetups? How often do you guys usually go into meetups? We're pretty committed to our local meetup, which meets monthly. Um, and then we try to go to a few others. I'm, this maybe is not the right way to say it. I'm loving all of the virtual meetups that are coming yeah. from the current situation yeah. that the economy is in and right. you know, is in right now. Obviously this is a horrible situation and we don't know what's going to happen, but it has really allowed us to go to meetups that we would never go to before. Yeah. Um, learn from people we've never had the opportunity to speak with. So that's been really cool. And we hope to kind of continue going to those when we're able to start going in person again. Yeah. If we stray from our meetup, it's usually because there's a category that's going to be spoken about that yeah. really piques our interest. Yeah. We really like ours. Yeah. We do. yeah. I mean, meetups are very important. I find that literally every single meetup I've ever been to or hosted at the mill take something away, whether that's a private, uh, private lender, an actual commercial lender, uh, you know, a handyman, something like that. I've always been able to meet someone and take something away from that. So I always think in the back of my head, if I never went to that, like I would never be able to get this dealer. I would never be able to get that property. And I've found, you know, not just having a meetup where everyone goes and kind of chit chats is, I, I try to bring in a CPA, an attorney, uh, a mortgage lender, you know, someone to just talk for a little bit and then open up the floor for socializing. And I feel like people connect with that a lot more and they like that a lot. Um, so I just want to stress to people that are listening, you know, how important meetups are and how significant they can be to how you work. And just, just quick story. So I was at one of my properties today and there's these new tenants that moved in next door and, you know, I introduced myself, you know, I own the property, we're doing some work, blah, blah, blah. And he was, this guy just was rambling, just telling me, you know, where they came from, what's going on. And he was telling me how the property he came from, the guy, the owner, because he was four days late, mailed him a letter and said, if you guys aren't out in five days, I'm going to lock the door, put all your stuff by the curb, which completely violates fair housing rules, you know, landlord tenant laws over in New York state. And then this landlord, he's like, yeah, he, you know, we got to move in, in three days. He just wanted first month's rent, last month's rent and full security deposit. And in my head, obviously I'm not telling this guy this, but like, that's also violating, you know, fair housing and landlord tenant laws. You're only allowed to have first month and security deposit for first month. You can't have last month or anything more than that. And I'm telling my wife about it and she's like, well, and I was, I was telling her, I was saying people at my meetup never do anything like that. They're always like, you got to play by the rules. You have to do things right. And she's like, that's why those people are at the meetups because they're the ones who actually value, you know, real estate is an investment. They want to do things right. Not that I'm saying everyone you're going to meet at a meetup is going to be a quality person, but a lot of times if people are taking, if they have a busy week and they're taking an hour, two hours out of their time to be at that meetup or per month, odds are they're going to have something good to say. And that's where you can, you know, learn a lot, make a lot of your connections. I mean, would you guys agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. And what's, what's kind of crazy is that you don't realize the value that you're getting from the meetup until you need it. 
So for example, with the call out, the junk call out, I originally called a national company and they quoted us $4,000. And my job out dropped. I was like, all right, put our hazmat suits on. We're hauling this stuff away ourselves. Like we're not spending $4,000 on this. And then we thought, oh, don't we know so-and-so? Don't they have a dumpster company? Let's Mm -hmm. see if they know anyone. Oh yeah, I do junk, you know, haul away and and I'm charging half that. Our score. Yeah. All right. Come on over. And you know, you, you get value all the time from the education and from meeting, but it's kind of when you're in the clutch like that and you go, Oh, doesn't so-and-so do that? Or don't they know somebody and you make, and you have the phone number because you already met them, you know, and you make that call and everyone's kind of helps each other out. It's awesome. And I would say it's, it's the value sits also in not just being part of meetups, but being part of local meetups in the area that you invest. Mm -hmm. So because there's going to be other investors there that are also invested in that area, you're going to be able to find, you know, if you're really tight on a budget, you're going to be able to find uh, trades that you're going to, they're going to come in cheap um, and dumpster companies, things like just small things like that. When you're in a bind that you'll find it through, through that meetup. And so much collective knowledge and things that are specific to an area, like inspections. Hey, mm-hmm. this inspector is a stickler for outlets, loose outlets. You know, just little stuff like that that you would never right. learn in a book. Management. Because, yeah, there management. There was a woman that knew every bad tenant in that town. Mm-hmm. She knew <laughs> who to stay away from. And, it, I mean, just small things like that across the board from management to renovation. Mm-hmm. And what's surprising is to me is that when we talk about our meetups, so many people ask us about competition. Well, aren't you nervous that, you know, you're, you're friendly with everyone who's investing in the same area? And why do you tell them the town that yeah. you invest in? And I just right. feel, one, we don't have the capacity to buy every house in, in yeah. our market. So why not just share, you know, share let the wealth? Let people yeah. renovate. Let those ARVs continue to go high because one Right. Kyle, I agree with that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's what we want. We want those comps to be high. Yeah. So, right. You want those quality investors in your neighborhood. You don't want those slumlords that are going to bring down the value. Exactly. I mean, that's how it happens. You get absentee owners or you, again, you just get slumlords who don't have any interest like you guys do. And it's going to, it's going to affect everyone. You know, it, everyone's going to come down together. The, this, the ship's going to sink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to touch on or we're going to go into our next segment? Anything I missed or anything you guys want to talk about a little bit with the uh, listeners? I mean, I feel like there's so many areas. We can I know. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we, we can do a whole series on podcasts. That's why we got different guests just to hit different capacities. Kyle, I got a question for you. Okay. What brand t- power tools are we using? Ooh. All right. So wait, wait, can I say it? Can I yeah. say a fun fact? I just learned um, that it's called a platform. So you say like, what platform are you using? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess that's the <laughs> grammatically correct term. <laughs> Sorry, the sun is setting and our natural beautiful light that we were getting is now like non-existent. So we're going to pop some overhead on and uh, let's push that back. So yes, I'm on. So I'm trying to. Fingers crossed you answered this correctly. I'm trying to switch over to all battery power, but I'm on the DeWalt platform right now. My man. My man, DeWalt, there we go. And, he thinks, and he's like, well, I get to buy all new tools. Right? Oh, I mean, it's tough, dude. It is tough. I'll tell you what, because. I had all pneumatics, so I was lugging around my compressor, hoses, all my nailers, and just being battery powered, it is like a life changer. A oh, life yeah. And it's the perfect time, too, because the place that we're burning now, the triplex, we're on the third floor. So we're, we're hauling things three stories up. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. 
I mean, it slows. It's crazy to me how evident it is now how that slows up a renovation too. I don't know if we'll be doing that again. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, and it, it dwell. I think hands down, I think it's the best. They one yellow looks really good on my waist. You know, pocket <laughs> <Right>. in, <laughs> and uh, two battery powered. You know, like the property we're doing. There's no power to the property right now because we're doing all new electrical. So yep. having battery powered, I would never be able to do the work. Just want to throw something into you. I asked my electrician if he could make one hot outlet and he was able to do that. So you, okay. you may yeah. The, the only problem we have is there's no breaker right now on the no, house. To the house at all. Oh, okay. No, That's you, good. You have no service to the house at all, right? There's no path. Correct. Yeah. At the moment. Cause we're, we're doing a service entry cable coming in. We're doing a new box, you know, holds more breakers essentially. So it's going to be, uh, 150 amp service. Yeah. So it was at like a hundred. It was crap. We took it out. So we're, 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 we're like, a for, like a furnace and forced heat. And yeah. So it was all boiler. And so we ripped it all out. It was wrapped in asbestos. We took it all out and we, my HVAC guy, this dude, he's retired three days. He put in a new furnace, 97% efficiency, and then ran ductwork through the entire house in three days by himself. I was like, that's fantastic. God bless this dude. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, my, my problem was, I was like, yeah, this guy's retired, but in three years, he's going to be like super retired and I won't be able to use him. She's going to buy all the properties now. Exactly. So going to the next section, we call it the curious cues. I'm going to say a bunch of questions at you guys. Cause I got both of you, not just one guess. I'm going to have you guys both answer these questions. Sound good? Yes. All right. First question is favorite podcast. Oh man. So I'm going to say Kyle's not a big podcast listener. I would, does it, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to be real estate. Does it have to be real estate? <laughs> no, uh, I'll let it slide. Love Wadcast podcast. Okay. It's a CrossFit based podcast. Um, I was, I was huge into CrossFit. Um, I'm now off into Olympic lifting, but the Wadcast podcast was on constantly. And as someone who is not a CrossFitter, I also found it very entertaining. Yeah. Although they like kicked off some of the hosts. Yeah, it's, it's changed up now in these most recent years. But I'd say like five, six years ago, it was in its prime. Yeah. And I'm going to give a shout out to women investors around the world and do the Real Estate Investor podcast. Okay, invest her. Yep, I've heard of that yes. one. Okay, awesome. You have a lot uh, of male listeners, so great content. I highly recommend. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, favorite book? Hmm. Uh, I'll do the one that I'm reading right now. So right now I'm reading Traction. So Kyle and I are really good in that we have separated our roles. He is very much hands-on renovations, permits, stuff like that. I'm um, more of like the business end, the loans, the funding, the property management. And right now, everything's just in my head, which is great for me, mm -hmm. but not very great for if we ever want to scale. And one of the things that is my goal for this kind of period of uncertainty is to really create a strong foundation for our business. And part of that is creating, you know, SOPs and really looking at things that take me a lot of time and don't make us a lot of money. And how can we automate that? And so right now I'm reading traction by Gino Wickman. And because we don't have like a full business with employees, I will say some of it is a little, not above my head. I obviously understand it all, but not, Just not at that. Yeah. But such great concepts, such great um, exercises that you could work through, and it's it's been super helpful. 
And I would say, honestly, the, the line of Home Depot DIY books. There's okay. a, or it could be super cliche and say, uh, Recept for Dad, because that's what kind of like got me into it. Ain't wrong. Can't pick that one here. I know. Yeah, yeah. But the line of Home Depot DIY books, whatever you want, uh, uh, codes, home codes, um, masonry, plumbing, electric, anything you want, the Home Depot books have it. I mean, it's, it's, I have almost every single trade in that book and I can always refer back. Yeah. A gentleman who actually, you know, started talking about real estate investing way before I started getting invested. He said, yeah, rich dad, poor dad, but he also said the Home Depot DIY books. He's like, you got to get these. These are like your contract, you know, constructing Bible. He said, basically. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very cool. Um, Biggest hurdle you've had to overcome in real estate. I'll start. Okay. Go for it. Getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, okay. Like just being totally outside my realm of, you know, expertise, just being able to say, looking it up, reading it, and then just implementing it. It has to get done. Somebody's got to do it. So let's just do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's been the biggest hurdle is to get into that mindset of to just get it done. It's got to get done. Let's just get it done. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, and this isn't going to be mine, but to piggy off of yours, to add something, we always say that you can't gain experience unless you take action. Absolutely. And that's just been, once you kind of accept that, everything's been so much better. Um, But I would say, I mentioned that we both kind of stay in our roles. I also think it's really important to stay in your own lane in terms of just investing. We're super active on Instagram, and it is so easy to get caught up in where other people are and other people are buying, you know, large multifamilies like that needs to be our next step, but it doesn't have to be. It really just comes down to like, what are your goals? What are your goals? What are your goals? And I'm not going to lie. I kind of was like getting caught up in that, you know, other people are doing this. We need to do this too. And getting over that competitive nature, if you will, I think was a little bit of a hurdle, but I'm doing much better with it. It's because we're so excited about where we're at right now that like, you're like, oh my God. And you start to get like really excited and there's so many options. And then sometimes you just got to reel yourself back in Mm -hmm. and get back on that, on that line. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Biggest hero. Oh man. All right. I'm going to be super corny. And I'm going to say Kyle is my biggest hero. I always, <laughs> I know. Well, well, let me hit on the soundboard, the aww button, you know. <laughs> just because he is, I've never met someone so happy all of the time. Like he is just the perfect example of someone who's super present in the moment and loves every aspect of life. He takes the, like a bite into a cheeseburger and is like, this is the best cheeseburger I've ever <laughs> had. And I'm someone who's a planner. I'm always in my head. I'm always in the future. And it's very hard for me to be, you know, in the moment. And he just gets it done. He goes, works on the house for 10 hours, like all this manual labor, comes home. He's like, is a better cook than I am. So he's usually the one cooking dinner and is like always in a happy mood, always going after it. Just like a stellar human all around. <laughs> there you go. Cal, you should have seen your and face. I was, okay, so there, no, listen, for real, Do I was, was going to say Lauren, and I was only going to say Lauren. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many reasons why I would say Lauren, but uh, mostly it's because I don't understand how she gets the amount done that she does a day. I mean, it's insane. Just out of nowhere today, she called me. She's like, I just saved us like $700 a year on insurance for our house. <laughs> like, I'm like, aren't you like – doing something else right now. I thought you were doing this. And she's like, Oh yeah, well I just, 
saved 700 it's like that's a commercial like i've seen that before <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so no yeah it's it's definitely hard which is why i think we make a great team our yeah. strengths are complete opposites yeah. our weaknesses are complete opposites yeah. our personalities are complete opposites and it is tremendous for our business absolutely right no i could just tell i got that vibe from you guys that you guys just really play off of each other you guys kind of fill the gaps which is awesome and especially i mean kyle's face that whole room lit up when you said that lauren you're just like, he's like <laughs> you know he was like oh man i mean i was gonna say some like power lifter, but i guess i gotta say my wife too. yeah yep oh that's funny all right <laughs> like he has posters like arnold schwarzenegger i think we're gonna say arnold schwarzenegger no no <laughs> oh man all right uh, all right next up <laughs> <laughs> just throwing you for a loop there uh favorite part of investing i would say the hunt I love finding deals. I love analyzing deals. I love walking through them and thinking about the plans and figuring out how we're going to make this work and solving problems. Like, honestly, once the renovation starts happening, I'm like, all right, like, when are you going to get this done? I'm ready for another one. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is uh, once all of that pre construction is done and you start all the finishes. Yeah. Like, satisfying. That is so satisfying seeing those all that hard work that nobody is even going to see you start to finish it off, man. And it's like, you start laying floors, you start putting your cabinets up. It's fantastic. That's when it starts going quick. Yeah. It's all, it's when it all comes together, all the pieces of the puzzle, like, you know, fit in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite non real estate related hobby and Kyla, I pick things up and put them down. You cannot say that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely Olympic looking. Yeah, for sure. All right, fair enough. <laughs> That's your favorite hobby? Yeah, or like, or but water. not real of it. <laughs> yeah, like anything on the water, really. Honestly, okay. like, we're big beach people. Yeah. So, uh, any being on the boat, we go. We're right on the Barnegat Bay, so we go crabbing all the time, clamming, fishing. I mean, anything, anything to do with the water. I'm like, definitely fish in my last life. <laughs> we're just watching some underwater metal detecting videos. we don't even metal detect <laughs> but we're so into this like my <laughs> like an underwater metal detector yes. we gotta get a metal detector house just to fund all of our metal detecting oh man um my hobby i don't know i sometimes get upset because i feel like i don't have any other hobbies besides real estate but Amen. everything kyle said i mean we're big like snowboarder and boating and Honestly, one of my goals is I used to ride horses like pretty, not, I used to ride horses competitively. Loved it. It got to a point where I was, it's very good. I was, spending, good. I was spending way too good. much money for the, for the enjoyment I was getting out of it. You know, it was like thousands of dollars a month. Like that's a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. So I made a decision to quit to help fund our real estate adventures. So now I want to get to a point where we have a house that like just funds horseback riding. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. So like one investment property, like you could call it like the ranch and it can invest your, uh, well, we were, we have one for, we have like this legitimate idea to have a boat house because yeah. we do want to have a boat, a part of our lives that uh, we've always had a boat growing up and we want to utilize that as a form of travel because we're really into traveling and a form of vacation. So a sleeper style boat yeah. that, a house can fund and yeah. that would be exactly what it goes to. Yeah. 
You know how when people are on like their debt-free journey, they might have like a chart and they color in, you know, as they mm -hmm. save or pay their off their progression. Pay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to create one. I'm in the process of creating one that has all of our like life expects, um, expenses. So that instead of saying like, oh, this house is making, you know, $300 in cash flow, it's like, oh, this house is paying like our health insurance or this house is paying our cell phone bill. And I think that's a more exciting way to look yeah, at things. Yeah. So when we do get the point of like, all right, all these houses pay our basic living expenses. Like, ooh, this house is like sushi one night a week. <laughs> our boat. This house is horseback riding. This house is, you know, all the fun things. Especially for the majority of investors who work full time, that's huge to see your paycheck actually going into your pocket instead of going in and just going out to a whole bunch of other people. Right. And there's something to be, you know, said for reinvesting in the business, but there's also something to be said for the reason why we're doing this, you know? Yeah. And we haven't touched a single dollar of the profit, if you will, that we've made. We keep reinvesting it. And um, I don't I don't really know where we're going to get to a point where we have to start. We're still again. like heavily <laughs> into our building stage yeah. of our portfolio. So we, we really don't know when the building stage actually ends. I don't know if it ever does. <laughs> I don't know does if it, it ever does either. I don't know. Yeah, no. Well, I've seen you guys. I've been following you guys. I've seen what you're doing. You're doing it right. So keep up the good work. Right. Last question. Newbie advice. So advice you give someone that's looking to get started in real estate investing or they're started now and they just want to, you know, start increasing. I would go back to kind of what we touched on before is that action is the only way that you can learn. Let me rephrase that. It's not the only way you can learn, but it is the most tangible way to gain experience. You know, you could listen to, you can listen to the podcast, you can read the books, you could do all the things, but nothing's going to give you the emotional strength, the physical strength, the mental strength to get through a lot of the hurdles that real estate throws at you. And I think people are so scared that the first deal is going to be the biggest mistake of their lives. And if you just, you know, obviously do the proper education, be prepared, but at some point you just got to do it and just go in with the mindset that this is going to be my, my educator and, you know, hopefully you make money out of it. And if you break even, you know, well, you spent more on a college education what are you doing with and that? You, <laughs> you gained more. If, if this invest, if real estate investment is a long-term strategy, you've gained more in that first project than you could waiting another year, two years. Definitely. So, I mean, that I'm right on with that. Mm -hmm. And it's, Lauren made a good point a, a while ago that if you have a goal, just start working backwards from that goal. Uh, what do you need to do? So just more, most recently, we started implementing weekly meetings where we lay out our week on a whiteboard. Everything that we want to accomplish that week and then we set it to days you could essentially do the same exact thing mm -hmm. with a property. What do yeah. you need to buy your first property to start funding? Mm -hmm. You know, you need to find what area you're going to be and then just start working backwards and lay it out and start accomplishing all those little things. So once you accomplish all those little things, you're going to have accomplished the large thing. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, that's good. I mean, good. Like you said, working backwards, just trying to find that smallest task to tackle so you can get to that next one. And by the time you, you tackle all of them, you're there you know, before you even know it. Right. One little story. I mean, I, I hate to, uh, I hate to state, say this story with what I do now and, you know, with the podcast and everything, my investments. So Lauren, what you were saying, you know, just taking action, you know, just being progressive about it, you know, buying a property, getting out of the analysis paralysis stage. I was stuck in the analysis paralysis stage. You know, I was just analyzing deals, looking at them like, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. I was always finding an excuse. 
So here we are one day, I'm like driving to go see this property and uh, I'm just telling myself in the car, I'm like, you literally need to buy this property. Like, I don't, I don't care if like the roof's gave me, you need to buy it or you're never going to get started. So it's a two family. We walk through the first unit, we walk through the second unit. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I mean, like at that time I could barely swing a hammer. I didn't have an inspector or anything. And I was just like, all right, looks, looks good. Let's do it. You know? And I just bought it. You know, we did contracts right on the spot and everything. And it was just like so bad because I didn't look at anything functional on that property. I didn't check out furnaces, didn't check out how our tanks, how old the roof was. I literally was just like, I need to get a property now. I need to buy it or else I'm never going to get into this thing. And as soon as I bought that one and I pulled everything together and closed on it and made sure everything was functioning properly, you know, tenant, whatnot. I was like, let's do the next one. I'm ready. You know, let's get started. And obviously each one, I do my due diligence. Now I look through it. I bring through a contractor, we inspect it, find out everything. But just, you know, what you said of just taking action to get out of that analysis paralysis stage to get started. You know what I mean? That's it. Mm-hmm. I compare it to like when you, when you want to get in shape, the first day getting to the gym is the hardest one. Once oh. you have the first day, you're good. It's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's true. I mean, it's just once it's being repetitive and once you get that first time out of the way because you're, you're scary, you're nervous, just like doing anything. It's just like for example, someone that goes skydiving, you know, the first time they're, you know, deathly afraid of doing it. And then yeah. after they're done, like, that was sweet. Let's do it again. You know, now we're excited to get in the next one. It's like, yeah, we're not even done this one. And, and we want another one. Well, and there's so many, you know, uh, steps that you take when you're actually within the property that people say that you should maybe take beforehand, but you're not going to like when people say like assemble your team, I'm sorry, but if you call a plumber and you're just like, Hey, hypothetically, if I happen yeah. to have a property that needs all new plumbing, like what are you going to charge me? They're, like it, you're going to hang up. Right. Use your dial phone. Yeah. Like yeah. it's very difficult. So unfortunately there are just some things you can't do until you have a property it's relationship. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That only happens with time and mm-hmm. working through projects with each other. Now we have a team now. It, it took a long time. I mean, it's took like, what, three, four years yeah. now for us to develop a solid team mm-hmm. of subs that we can call. And we have different state, like, I guess, categories of subs. Mm-hmm. We have like renovation subs and then we have like emergency subs. Like maintenance, yeah. Like maintenance. So uh, others are more local than, than the other ones, but it took a long time to develop those. So. Mm-hmm. And it's also just like emotional strength. I know I kind of said this before, but like, it's amazing the things that stress you out and that you're scared of before you buy a property that are not a big deal at all now. Like just the amount of, you know, the figures I'm writing on these checks to our subs is like not a problem. Or we get a call from our tenant that water is leaking through the ceiling. I'm like, okay, that sucks. But like, we got to go take care of it. We're like, that would have like sent me oh yeah i mean thinking back like oh writing a check for forty two thousand dollars to buy a house in cash i'm like oh my god that's like you know know, it's so scary now i'm just like yeah go to closing i'm like all right here you go you know just take can you just can't just make a copy for me it's just you get comfortable with things that's how it's gonna be so flippantly but like it's just awesome to see you grow and develop and yeah i don't know I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. So I think we're going to wrap it up here. You guys have been awesome. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on this evening. Uh, where can people connect with you guys or find out more about you? Yeah, we're, we're most receptive and on our Instagram at Rumsies Do Well. Yeah, we're super active there. We have accounts on Bigger Pockets. We have a blog, all that good stuff. But Instagram, where it's at for us. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much for stopping on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. We had so much fun. Yeah, I appreciate you having us, man. It was a great time.
Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.